Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. This message I'm teaching was preached to the Corinthians who didn't believe in resurrection. And Paul said, I preached resurrection, you believed resurrection, and if it's not true, then your faith is in vain, my preaching is in vain, and we are of all men most miserable. But we're not most miserable. Jesus was raised from the dead. Hang on, we have even more great points in this broadcast today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Uh, You know, if you're having a great day, it's about to get better because this is the Word of God. If you're having a bad day, we're about to turn it around. Because the Word of God, I don't care which section you choose, you start to open it up. There's a revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what we're out to give you today is the revelation of the Word of God. For those of you who've been watching this broadcast for any time, I'll take any subject. I pastored for years. Oftentimes, those who have television broadcasts have their specialties, and they're excellent. I mean, teachings on grace and teaching on end times and teaching on different uh, things that God has led them into, but that's their ministry. But being a pastor after 33 years, I just had to teach the entire Word of God. A pastor can't stay with just one area, so I taught throughout the Old and New Testament. And uh, I bring that out in my teachings here. And so I trust you like it. I trust that you look at me almost like a pastor. I do not want to replace your pastor. You need to have a pastor, but we do need other influences. The Bible says that we only have a few fathers, but we have many instructors in the body of Christ. I'm not your father, nor do I want to be a father image. That should be your pastor. And those close enough to you to be a mentor that you know personally, But again, in this case, I just want to be one that helps you understand an instructor in the things of God. Today, we're going to be taking up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This will probably be five uh, five lessons, perhaps six a week, or maybe a little bit longer than that. We're going to go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is an entire chapter on resurrection. And to help us understand it, Paul's going to be bringing in all the different things from the ones who saw Jesus resurrected, had contact with him, talked with him after he was resurrected, and those that even saw him go into heaven in a resurrection body and applying that to us. And so if you want to get your Bibles out and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be going through it verse by verse. I know you're going to be greatly blessed in it. I want to talk to you too as you're finding that again to thank all those who just have stood with me for all this time. And uh, those who've lately joined me as partners, thank you so much. And uh, the partner base just keeps growing. Thank you again. And uh, my appreciation goes out to you. And I know in heaven, there's going to be great appreciation for you because many of you are going to be looking at those who gave their lives to Jesus, went into the ministry, started churches, got others born again. And you'll begin to realize this thing is just a multiplying effect. In other words, we're sowing and reaping by putting your finances into my ministry. And we see people's lives change and especially discipled. I mean, bring them from the new birth all the way up to the point where they begin to now are capable of going into the ministry for themselves. This is what we're looking for. And so again, I thank you, those of you who have stood with me during this time, this will be our results in heaven. And even one changed life will be worth all the money you put into it, but thousands of changed lives, you're gonna realize just how powerful a seed was sown into the kingdom of God that came up with crop after crop after crop. Even after you're gone, it keeps on producing into eternity. If you'd like to become a partner, go to my website, bobyandian.com. 
and you'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me and thank you again ahead of time for joining. There's two books in the New Testament. Uh, there's often two books that line up and Ephesians and Colossians line up, but there's also something that, and that's doctrinally is what I'm talking about, but there's two other books that line up, uh, Ephesians and Corinthians. And because the backgrounds of the people are very much the same. Now the Corinthians were probably the most carnal congregation in the entire New Testament. And Paul had to treat them as children. And the book of Corinthians is just filled with things where Paul goes over the basics over and over again to teach them the basics where the Ephesians quickly passed on past their religion, they became one of the most spiritual congregations of the New Testament. And that's why the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, which tie hand in hand with each other, are probably some of the two most deeply theological books of the New Testament outside the book of Romans. And so we have it here again in Corinthians, the Corinthian congregation and those that were saved in Corinth, as far as a background, religious background, were much like the Ephesians in their worship. They were influenced by Greek culture. Both were the attitude they had towards sex and the human body were very similar. And they were in for all types of pleasures in the life because it wasn't the pleasure necessarily the body received. It was the inward uh, happiness that, that the sex brought and the worship that frenzied around it and all those different things. And so Paul had to approach them both in the same way in that area. But the Corinthians really never learned to grow up. There was some growth later on in them. But from the very beginning, uh, they were just withstanding many of the things taught in Christianity. They freely received Jesus. But after they were born again, didn't like some of the things that the Lord taught in the New Testament and that Paul was teaching because it contradicted what they had been taught. They kind of had this idea. And people do today. Well, I'm going to accept Jesus, but I'm just making him a part of my life. No, he has to be all of your life. He is Lord. You accepted him as Lord. I'm not saying that if you don't just turn everything over to him at one time, you're not really saved because really most of the time that's a process in the Christian life. I mean, if I ask you, is every part of your life totally submitted to Jesus? I have to, would probably say some of you that have been born again 10, 20, 30 years would have to say, mm, I've still got some areas where I'm having difficulty with. Well, the point of it is, is you are slowly, again, turning that over to the Lord because you accept him in the beginning as your Lord. Now acting that out in your Christian life might take some time. But the Corinthians, in fact, they didn't really reach out and accept it. They fought it. Every time Paul would bring up something new, they would fight it because if it contradicted their uh, traditional uh, religious view of life, they didn't like it. And this was the case with resurrection. This entire chapter deals with the subject of resurrection. And so the Corinthians were influenced by Socrates and Plato, teaching that the soul was beautiful and the body was evil. They looked forward to death. So the body would be gone, the soul would be freed to cross the river Styx, float into the Elysian fields, and this is what they believed and this is what they thought. So when Paul came along teaching that they were after being born again, there were certain strict guidelines in the word of God. They didn't wanna believe it. Let me just simply point out this way. The word of God is not just true, it's truth. Jesus said this, he said that uh, thy word is truth. He said, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. He said, your word is truth. So the word of God is truth. And what I mean by that is not just true, it is truth. So when Paul brought this to them, they wanted to argue with it. And Paul said, no, no, this is not just something that we say is true. This is truth. And you do not argue against the Bible. You learn to receive it. If the Bible says it's true, you need to swallow your own pride and simply say, if the Bible says it, I'm going to have to believe it. I don't understand it, but the understanding will come later. It's much like getting saved. God doesn't ask you to understand salvation. 
he asks you to receive it. After you receive it, then you'll start to understand it. We in life want to understand everything before we put the down payment on the car. We want to understand everything before we buy the house. We want to understand everything before we get into a commitment with some company. This is what we are like. And so the Corinthians, they, they accepted Jesus, but boy, when the changes begin to come along, they didn't like it. They did not see the Bible as truth. They, since they were in a democratic type society, as we are in the United States today, we are a democratic republic. And because of that in democracy, where your democracy is there, what you can have is many, many differing opinions on something. And almost looks like it's chaos and can be chaos at times. But by that, oftentimes by varying viewpoints, we become stronger in our own nation. There's many things that have happened in our nation because somebody brought up an opposing viewpoint. We sat back and watched it, listened to it, instead of having some dictator, some authoritarian person over us declaring his idea over everything. This is what communism is. And this is what we don't have in the United States. So the Corinthians, again, after being born again, found out they were going to have a resurrection body. And at that point, many of them regretted ever being saved because the idea of another body after death was repulsive to them. And so being in our own country like we are today, again, we, we question so much and we see it being questioned every day. We, after a while, we go, wait a minute, because if things contradict the word of God, there should be no argument on it. Let me again qualify something here. The difference between true and truth. The Bible is filled with both. It's filled with things that are true, but it's also th filled with things that are truth. Not everything that is true is truth. What do I mean by that? Uh, truth simply means comes back to the things we live by that the word of God gives us commandments on. There's only one way to get saved and that's through the name of Jesus Christ and accepting him as Lord and Savior that certain things are right and certain things are wrong because the Bible says so. And there's really no argument attached to it. You just accept it and after a while you begin to understand why. But there's also things in the word of God that are true that are not necessarily truth. What do I mean by that? It's true that David had five wives, but that doesn't make it truth. It's just truly accept, it's just truly taught that this is what he did. It's true that in the Bible, uh, you know, that certain ones, again, uh, they, they committed adultery and it's found throughout the word of God. It was just kind of like this thing and you wonder how in the world could they do that? Well, it's true that they did it, but that doesn't make it truth. If it's truth, it's true for everybody and we all should live under it. And so again, it can be truly reported what a person done and what a person has done. Uh, we're told in the Old Testament, book of Ecclesiastes, I like this about the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're ever feeling too happy, you think something's wrong here, I'm just too happy, and you need a little depression in your life, read the book of Ecclesiastes. It'll depress you from the moment you start. It's nothing but carnality, and it's really, uh, the, it's really Solomon writing a book out of his carnality. And he decided with his money and with his brains, he was going to live his own life and kind of push God off to the side. I was raised in a preacher's home, so I think I'm just gonna go out and see if there's anything I missed. And by all those chapters, by the time we come to the end of the book, he finally writes this thing, I have one thing to tell you. He said, seek after the Lord from your youth. Boy, it took him 12 chapters to come up with that one great phrase. And through the whole book, it was just nothing but depression, 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 and the, uh, the uselessness of life. The waves come in, the waves go out, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. Are those things true? Yes. But is, and, and is what, is what he said, did he, was it truly reported what he said? Yes. But is it the truth? No, there is no, there's no reason in life for having depression. There's no reason in life for running from God or looking for happiness in other things outside of God. It's true 
that that happened. And it's true that he ran off with it, but it's not the truth. The truth is something that's true for everybody and it will change you. And this is what God is saying. Resurrection is more than just something true. It is the truth and you cannot change it because you don't believe it. You can argue, you can stomp your feet, you can scream and yell like a child, but it's not going to change anything. But to be honest with you, the book of 1 Corinthians is all basic things. Again, I have said it already, the Corinthians were probably the most carnal congregation of any in the New Testament. And so the book is filled with just basic things. And the whole message of 1 Corinthians is basic. Explanations are needed to understand these simple things that they couldn't get through their head. Divisions are wrong. That's in chapters one through three. Next of all, incarnality is the result of living in sin and you'll face the judgment seat of Christ. That's the essence of the end of chapter three. Chapter five is church discipline and the things that go wrong in church and how there has to be discipline in the church. Chapter six is lawsuits and sexual immorality. And this is truth, not just true, it's truth, how to handle it. Chapter seven is marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and again, God's view on that. And it's not something that's just true. You go, oh, well, it's true I can divorce. It's true I can do this. Yes, you can, but it's not exactly what God is looking for. Chapter eight, we have doubtful things. Chapter 10, we have idolatry. Chapter 11, communion service, its order and importance. Chapter 12 is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the offices of Jesus Christ, the operations of God, which never change. Chapter 13 is the importance of love toward God and each other. Chapter 14 is the order of the church service, the preaching of the word, the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And chapter 15 is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and eventually every one of us in the church. I'll see you right after the break. When a Christian has passed away, we do not bury them. We plant them for a future harvest. One day, all Christians will put on a resurrection body. Our earthly bodies carry the image of Adam, but our resurrection bodies will carry the image of Jesus. One day, we will have bodies that will possess everlasting life. In this exciting six-part series based on 1 Corinthians 15, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a detailed study of the future resurrection of every born-again believer. Messages include a foundation doctrine. What if there is no resurrection? What is baptism for the dead? Sowing, reaping, and resurrection. Our incorruptible body and the exception generation. To order resurrection, visit our website at bobyandian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Well, welcome back. Let me just kind of give you an overview of chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians, the resurrection of Jesus. How does that affect us in our daily Christian walk with the Lord? To be honest with you, the resurrection is the most important part of the work of Jesus Christ for our salvation. You say, well, I thought the cross was. Listen, every part is important, but the most important part was left to the last. The fact that Jesus fulfilled the law, came to this earth to do it, came to fulfill every jot, every tittle, and he kept every part of it. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, he wasn't referring to the entire plan of salvation. He was referring to the law was now complete. Every sacrifice that had been given was not gonna be wrapped up in him. Every uh, law that was given, he had kept all of them. And so Jesus died on the cross, but it wasn't the cross that saved us. It was the resurrection that saved us. The cross removed the problem but it didn't give the answer. We have a problem in our life and we need an answer. So the cross removed the problem, which was our sins. And on the cross, Jesus Christ judged every sin we've ever committed except for one. And that is rejection of him. But at the resurrection, this is what brought the answer. In other words, the cross removed the problem, which was sin, but it didn't give us life. It took Jesus coming back to life to get us to come back to life. It was him being born out of the grave that causes us to be born uh, again in our Christian life. What Adam brought was death, and on the cross, Jesus removed that. But in the, in the resurrection, he brought us eternal life. So it really wasn't the cross that saved us. Thank God for the cross. We preach the cross, but what we really do for salvation is, is we confess the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Tell us if we believe in our heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed with our mouth that our Lord and Savior is Jesus, we will be saved. Of course, the cross had to bring the resurrection about. Jesus had to die before he could be brought back from the dead, and he had to die spiritually before he could be raised from the dead as truly the first begotten or the first born among many. I'm probably the billionth, two billionth, however many it is since the cross that it all came about because Jesus was the first one. Again, the resurrection saved us. It gave us the answer after the problem was removed. The empty tomb is the answer to the empty cross. The answer the empty tomb gave us was eternal life. The most important holiday we honor is not Christmas, but Easter. I mean, we take off almost an entire month now for Christmas. In my whole lifetime, I've seen it grow and grow and grow. And I can tell you now, Right after we have Halloween, we're already looking forward to Christmas and already things are being put out and all that. By the time that the 1st of December rolls around, we are hot and heavy into it. But you know what? The most important holiday we serve is really Easter. And you know what? We get one day off for it. We talk about it in church and all this, but it should be the best. Honestly, I can tell you this. I don't think that we should be wearing a cross around our neck, even though the cross is empty. I realize that was the symbol for Christianity back in those days, as was the fish. But I think the most important thing we could wear around our neck is not an empty cross, although thank God it's empty. Thank God he was taken down from the cross, but he still wouldn't bring salvation at that time. What we ought to wear around our neck is a rock with a hole in it. 
I think that would be important. I think if you're out there and you're a jeweler somewhere, why not make golden rocks on this or just something with a hole in it? Resurrection is what we uh, have and what has made us who we are. So again, it's to celebrate the resurrection. People could ask, what in the world you got around your neck? It's a, and say, it's a rock with a hole in it. What's that represent? It, resurrect, it talks about resurrection. And the most important thing that happened was God raised Jesus from the dead. And if he raised Jesus from the dead, I have been raised from the dead because I've accepted him as Lord and Savior. So let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're gonna take a look at verse one. And in this particular verse, moreover brothers, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and on which you stand. Resurrection, again, is the most important part of the gospel. You can't dissect it out. Once you understand it, the entire gospel makes sense and brings faith and blessing and really ushers in the supernatural. The cross really didn't represent the supernatural power of God. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died of his own free will on the cross and then went to hell for three days and three nights. His body went into the grave, but after three days and three nights, the, the exceeding greatness of God's power was used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, Ephesians chapter one. All that is so important and so powerful. When we receive the gospel, we receive it all, whether we want to or not. When the Corinthians received Jesus, they received a future resurrection body. It's all part of the package deal. So again, he says, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you. In other words, resurrection is part of the gospel. It's not just the fact I received Jesus, it's all wrapped up within the package because the gospel declares salvation, first of all, for my spirit, I'm born again, daily for my soul, as I grow in the things of God throughout my entire lifetime, and this is discipleship. This is the, the changing and the renewing of the mind throughout the Christian life, but the third aspect is my body. Spirit, soul, the last one is body, and even my body's gonna receive a brand new body one day, and this mortal shall put on immortality, this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and I'll rise to meet Jesus in the air, and I'll have a body just like his. Jesus has a resurrection body, and him being the first fruits. I'm gonna have one too. So again, resurrection is the most important part of the gospel. Again, you cannot dissect it out. It brings makes sense, it brings faith, it brings blessing, and when we receive the gospel in essence, again, like I said, we receive it all. Even if you don't want to, I'm sorry, you just received it. And instead of fighting it, instead of disagreeing it, why don't you just study it out and you'll be blessed to find out God did it for your good. God did it for your blessing. And of course, these Corinthians didn't want it because it contradicted their old religion. And again, when you come down to it, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it may take a while, but you're gonna to have to choose between sometimes your religion of the past and what Jesus Christ represents in the new birth now. And when that decision comes along, go with the word of God. Verse two goes on to say, by which also you are, notice are, present tense, not were, by which also you are saved. You see, I was saved back when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but that was in my spirit. But now the daily salvation of my soul, my sanctification process comes by which also you are saved. I was saved when I received Jesus. Now I are saved day by day because I walk in the things of God. I am changing my thinking. And when the word of God is different than what I was raised on in religion, 
religion, I'm going to go with the word of God. Religion, you're going to have to change. And so there we have the renewing of the mind to where now I begin to see everything through the importance of the word of God. Second Peter chapter one says this. It says that when Jesus Christ was on the mountain, Peter said, we saw him and we heard God speak from heaven. Then he went on to say, but we have also a more sure word of prophecy because the people reading the, his epistle weren't there. It was Peter, James, and John. And he brought that, I was there. I saw it. I heard it. But he went on to say, I'm saying this probably when people read that, well, yeah, that's you. You know, you were one of the 12. I wasn't. And so I don't know if I can, you know, if that's, I think you're probably more spiritual than me. He says, no, no, no. We have something more sure. What's more sure? The word of God. In other words, what he saw and what he heard, if it came down to that opposing the word of God, he would go with the word of God. And simply here's where your life begins to change. When you make the first utter decision after being saved, pound the table and say this, if the word of God says it, and it contradicts what I see, I'm going to go with the word of God. If what I hear contradicts the word of God, I'm going to go with the word of God. And so not only was I saved, I'm being saved daily, by which also, verse two, you are saved. This is your daily salvation. This is your daily deliverance. This is your daily sanctification. He goes on to say, if you keep in memory unless you have forgotten what I preached to you or unless you have believed in vain. He says, you're not going to have daily victory unless you keep the word of God in memory. He says, then you're not going to have a successful new birth. I'm not meaning you're not saved. I'm talking about you're gonna be saved, but you won't understand squat what's going on in your life. Then he goes on to say, or unless you've believed in vain. What he's saying was here, there's two possibilities in the Christian life. You can be born again, and you can. there's two reasons why you can be unsuccessful. Number one, if you truly are born again, you decide, I'm not gonna believe the word of God. I'm, if it contradicts what I was raised on, I think I'll go with what I'm raised on. Or I live in a democracy. I think I'll challenge everything from the word of God. When God brings it, I'm going to scrutinize it. I'm going to question him. And I'm simply here to tell you, if what you know in your brain, what you hear in your ear, what you see with your eye contradicts the word of God, go with the word of God. That's how powerful this is. And he says, or unless you believed, you have believed in vain. They really didn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's possible. You say a person can say that they believed in him, but they haven't. The exact truth. Because some will say in that day, didn't we even cast out devils in your name? And didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Well, how could they cast out devils and not be saved? How could they uh, see mighty works done and not be saved? Because you're not saved by your works. They didn't say one time we put our faith and trust in you and accepted you as savior. And what they did was they fell back on their works. And so even Satan and unbelievers can do supernatural things. Take the seven sons of Sceva in chapter 19 of the book of Acts. And they worked in league with the devil and even the devil says, you know, uh, you know, that you've been doing this all this time. I don't even know you. Well, God doesn't know them either. And so what's interesting in that passage of scripture is they were doing all these works and yet they tried to add the name of Jesus to what they were doing and the whole thing fell apart. The word and the gospel are of no value to us if we do not keep them in our memory or it's possible for, to have the word of God in us and it do no good. And it's also possible that you didn't truly believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and savior. Verse three says this, and I'll end on this one. For I delivered to you first of all, 
that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. In essence, I gave you the gospel and you received it. It's the same gospel gave to me and I received it. I'm preaching to you what happened to me and what happened to me has happened to you. And Jesus Christ died for you. You accepted him as Lord and Savior. Now you're questioning something that came along with the package. To question this means now you're free to question everything and you may not progress at all in the Christian life. Well, I'm here to tell you, thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for the resurrection. If there's anything you should be thankful for today, why not just thank him that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and is now in a better place than here on this earth and one day we'll have the same thing. We will have a resurrection body too. We'll be taking it up in this chapter, verse by verse as we go through it, understanding this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was raised from the dead so that we can be dead to our own sins too and one day be raised in a resurrection body to meet him in the air. That's the rapture of the church we're looking forward to. And in this chapter, we'll take that up in the, in the days to come. So thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.